episode of the Mobile Word Podcast. My name is Pastor Nathan Pagard, and I'm grateful that you could join me today. I'm looking forward to walking through the Word with you. Uh, the past few weeks, I've, I've made some empty promises of keeping things short, and I'm committed to keeping that promise today. Uh, like I've said in the first few episodes, my goal is to keep this podcast, each episode being about 30 minutes, uh, bite-sizable chunks uh, for you, whether you're commuting or uh, just kind of taking into consideration how it's just easier to take small small pieces. Um, and uh, if you have the time to to endure or to enjoy longer sermons or longer messages, that's great. Um, but usually, thirty minutes is is a is a good amount um, that you can take uh, on, on a daily basis and digest and, and apply. So I'm trying to keep things uh, closer to that time limit. The first few weeks, we had a little bit more introduction. Um, I wanted to introduce myself to you guys uh, and to let you know, you know, why we're doing the podcast and how we how we got here. Uh, at least giving you the, um, in, in in my way, a condensed version, uh, which didn't end up being that condensed. But um, and then last week, I mentioned a little bit more about the different resources that we offer at MobileWordMinistry.com um, and kind of how the podcast fits into that whole framework of providing you with resources that can help you with understanding the word and understanding um, just the centrality of, of studying the word and, and knowing the word. Um, we hear it all the time. You know, we hear it from leaders in the church, fellow Christian friends, pastors on Sunday, that you need to be reading your Bible. You need to be reading scripture. Um, I mentioned last week how I, I had that constantly from from my parents that I need to be reading the Bible, not forced upon me, but um, encouraging me that it is it is a valuable endeavor to be reading your Bible. And I turned from that and neglected that uh, for many years. And, and now, thankfully, because of them, their example and their prayers and uh, seeing how the scripture was impacting other people in the faith that I was meeting, uh, I'm very thankful that the word is 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 a central uh, part of, of my daily life. Um, there always needs to be more of it in my life. I always need to be more committed to it. Um, and, and I need to be craving it more, uh, delighting in it more. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's something that, that I've seen the, the fruit of, you know, when the scripture is at the center of your daily life, um, something that's beyond an exercise or something that, you know, you should be doing, but something that is really sustaining you, you know, really providing for you spiritually and emotionally, you know, personally, uh, covering all of the elise. Um, it, it, it really becomes your foundation to everything you're doing. So so last week I, I mentioned a little bit more about the different resources we offer on our site of mobilewordministry.com. Uh, mobile Say that 10 times. Um, and uh, so, so this week we can kind of just get into the word. Um, and if you have any questions uh, about any of those other resources um, or you want to know more about, about that, uh, go on to the site or send us uh, your questions about how you can use the resources, or if you uh, would like us to create resources. That's one thing I was mentioning to um, a gentleman yesterday, is is that one of the things that I love to do, and one of the things that my wife, who kind of is the co, uh, co-worker, co-manager of mobilewordministry.com, um, she edits a lot of the, the material that we post. Uh, one of the things that uh, we love to do is we love to teach. We, we love to, to create um, create things for people, create resources for people, so that they can uh, they can get the most out of their time when they're they're seeking God in the Word or with Bible studies and fellowship. 
Uh, so if there's something that, that we don't have on the site that you really need help with, uh, whether that's how to lead a Bible study, more specific details on that, um, how to disciple people, these are big issues and, and, and central issues that you hear all the time in your churches and, and in the scriptures that you know we need to be studying the Bible, we need to be praying more, we need to be discipling people. And one thing I've noticed in my life and then talking to a lot of other people in church is that often the, the, the practical uh, steps on how to do those things are, are left out or missed or overlooked. And, and we're just kind of left with this huge blanket statement of I need to be praying more, reading my Bible more, doing Bible study more, discipling more. And we're left not knowing how in the world do we do that. So at, at, our, at our ministry site and, and the podcast fits into that, we were trying to, 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 to kind of give you guys encouragement, uh, give you suggestions with resources, direction, devotionals, uh, that type of thing, so that you can take practical steps in not just going right into doing those things. I think a lot of people in the church probably shouldn't be discipling people right now. Um, I, I know churches want to kind of get discipleship programs going and, and get more people into the church and have more groups, but I think if we really commit that to God and ask him for his uh, holy evaluation, I would say that there are a lot of people uh, in churches that that need to be discipled before they are sent out to disciple other people. There's a lot of people in churches that have not personally seen the glory of Christ in their life, even though they proclaim the name of Christ in their identity as Christians, or they pray in the name of Jesus, or they've been in church for years. I think there's a lot of people that don't really know why they're doing what they're doing and how to practically do what they're being told to do. Um, and it, it's not a fun reality. It's not an encouraging reality uh, for a lot of churches to, to face or to admit. But um, just in my experience, and, and maybe that's different, you know, where you are, and, and hopefully it's different where you are. You know, I hope that the church that you're attending right now or the, the Christian body that you're a part of, I hope that the people that you're meeting with um, know the Bible and, and they know their faith without a doubt. You know, like I've said in the past few episodes, that they can go in with confidence to, to their coworkers or their family and they, they, they know they've seen it. You know, just like we hear from John, you know, we, we saw it, we heard it, you know, we touched it. You know, it is, it is as real to me as, as the, the desk that I'm sitting at. Um, and, and that reality, uh, knowing that gives you that, that, that power of Christ to do those, those holy endeavors, discipling somebody, you know, seeking God in the word. Um, but we have to see it first before we go out and do all these things. So, um, so if there's something that you're struggling with, if, if there's something that we, we haven't covered on the site, a topic, um, an issue, uh, a practice, whatever it is, uh, we would love to help you. We, we, that is really what some, what, you know, we feel God has called us to do right now. Um, like I mentioned in past episodes, we are starting a church, uh, in Silverdale, Washington, um, west of the Puget Sound across from Seattle. And that's in our fifth week right now. So we are doing that and we are involved in this community, but we really feel the calling to, to bring whatever ministry we have, whatever portion that is, and put it online and, and to reach out beyond this, this physical community that we're, we're being planted in, um, and that we're setting roots in, uh, but continually reaching out, you know, and using this tech technology to our benefit. So if you, if you have anything that you really are struggling with, please send us, uh, your thoughts or questions or concerns, uh, 
via email at mobilewordministry at gmail.com. And we would love to help you, you know, whether that's the issues that we can address on the podcast or on the site and creating material for you. Um, so, 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 you know, basically our, our whole endeavor here is just to, to try and help you and, and, and get you in the word more uh, personally and then corporately with, with your groups. So with that all being said, let's get into the scriptures. Today, we're going to be in the book of Ezekiel and we're going to be in chapter 18 and we'll start in verse 20 and we'll go all the way to the end of the chapter, which ends in verse 32. Uh, I'll start kind of midway uh, through verse 20. Um, and I'm reading the NIV version. So if you have another version, that's fine. But sometimes uh, it, it's, it gets a little confusing if I'm trying to read my version and I'm listening to a different version. So if you want to pause the podcast right now and uh, open up your Bible app or get your physical Bible out, and if you have a different version, I'd recommend you reading that first um, and then listening to me, or if you want to listen to, to me, read it in NIV and then read your own, but, um, maybe read them separately so that you don't get kind of some cross translation that, that ends up being kind of a stumbling block to getting the flow of what Ezekiel is saying, um, in this, in this chapter. Um, and again, this is, this is a chapter that, that, you know, I haven't been planning or preparing for, for days. I literally was just reading it, uh, this morning and I just felt, like that was something that God wanted me to talk about, and and the theme that I'm I'm going to be discussing through this chapter is the the theme of justice and and God's justice, you know, versus man's justice, and and how we wrestle with that. So that's kind of the overall theme. But we're going to be in Ezekiel 18 verses 20 to 32. Um, so if you want to read it, go ahead and pause the podcast and then check in um, when you're done, uh, or I'll go ahead and start right now. So this is Ezekiel 18. Verse 20, and I'm going to start in the righteousness of the righteous. The righteousness of the righteous man will be credited to him, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against him. But if a wicked man turns away from all the sins he has committed, and keeps all my decrees, and does what is just and right, he will surely live, he will not die. None of the offenses he has committed will be remembered against him, because of the righteous things he has done he will live. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? But if a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits sin, and does the same detestable things the wicked man does, will he live? None of the righteous things he has done will be remembered, because of the unfaithfulness he is guilty of, and because of the sins he has committed, he will die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Hear, O house of Israel, is my way unjust? Is it not your ways that are unjust? If a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits sin, he will die for it. Because of the sin he has committed, he will die. But if a wicked man turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he will save his life. Because he considers all the offenses he has committed and turns away from them, he will surely live. He will not die. Yet the house of Israel says, The way of the Lord is not just. Are my ways unjust, O his house of Israel? Is it not your ways that are unjust? Therefore, O house of Israel, I will judge you each one according to his ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart 
and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word that we find in Ezekiel. Um, We ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit illuminate the scripture for us as we uh, walk through this together and and seek your will um, and to seek your heart in this passage. Uh, We know that there there are so many things in scripture and so many things um, that are hard to understand and that we wrestle with and that confront our sinful nature um, to not seek your holiness, but to be self-righteous and prideful about our goodness. But Lord, we ask that we see your truth in this scripture. We ask that we see your will and your character as you are, with no conditions, no exceptions, no assumptions about who you are, but just truth. In Jesus' name, we pray for truth to be revealed to us in this scripture. I pray, Lord, that you guide my words and that you give me words that are necessary for the people listening right now and for my heart. I pray that you prepare the message and the word that we are to receive in this time that we're seeking you in scripture. We thank you, Lord, that we can draw near to you and ask you questions and to seek answers from you and to seek your ways. And we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name that we can follow your ways. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. In this scripture, there there are a few things that I want to touch on um, for this podcast. I think um, one of the things that's that's always uh, kind of, shocking and it was kind of shocking me this morning as I was reading this text um, is just how how open God is <laughs> um, with with it, you know the world that we live in and then ha- his will for us in this world um, outcomes uh, certain you know reactions to actions uh, when you read proverbs uh, it just seems like everything is so clear and it just makes so much sense it might not be easy to practice you know the the, the wisdom, that you find in Proverbs, it's not easy to do. But I think most people, when they read Proverbs, it makes sense. You know, it, it, it's logical, it's reasonable, or you could say it's just. And, and, and that's something that you see all the time in scriptures as God speaks, is that it might not be comfortable to hear his word and to hear his truth. It might not be what you were, you know, looking to encounter when you open the Bible and read your daily devotional. You know, there are some scriptures that just always make you feel good. And there's some scriptures that are always comforting. There's some scriptures that, you know, are always uplifting and encouraging. And, you know, one way to, to not read your Bible is just to fixate on the scriptures that make you feel good. Because God is complete. And he's dynamic. And he, he is whole. And you can't just take a piece of him and apply that to your life and then profess that you know him completely. You know, that's completely unreasonable and and irrational to say that even though I only listen to the nice things God says, I know him completely. Because if you only read those nice scriptures, if you only read the things that make you feel good, you're not really getting his truth. You're taking a part of him, which is true. And and those, those, those things that you read that are uplifting and encouraging and that make you feel great and special and loved, those are all true. You know, those are his heart, his words, speaking truth into your life that you are loved and that you are lifted up, you know, as a son or as a daughter, a co-heir. Those are true, but that's not the complete truth. 
that we, we, we are given in the scriptures. And it's easy to avoid those other scriptures that make you feel uncomfortable, but we have to confront the scripture holistically. We have to confront the entire dialogue, the entire conversation with God if we were to actually profess faith in him. You have to know the whole person. Because what happens when not everything is going great or when you encounter real life, which has ups and downs, joy and sadness, that is reality. You know, a lot of people want to escape that and and convince themselves that this world is, is really just an illusion. It's just kind of a barrier. And my job is to is to think positively and meditate myself above the mess. And then up there, everything is fine. But that is a delusion. You're lying to yourself. Life is messy and life is complicated. And you have great days that are great and you have awful days that are just awful. And the beauty about God is that he is complete as that life that we live is complete. He has ups and downs in his character. He is ecstatic when people turn to him and love him and follow him. And he is absolutely furious when we don't. And we can't, we can't dilute that side. You know, his wrath, his anger, is the only way that we can completely understand the cross. And if we don't understand the cross, then how can we understand the salvation that we have in Christ in response to our sin and the debt of that sin? So you see, it's like a, it's like a connect the dots, but in reverse. If we're going back, if we're Christians, then we believe in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we believe in the cross and the work accomplished on the cross. But if we understand the cross, we have to understand how that was necessary and why that was necessary. And then that brings you back to that aspect of God that is reacting to sin, reacting to injustice. And that's, that's at the, 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 the center of, of this part of chapter 18. You know, Israel is accusing God of being unjust, unfair, irrational, mean. And God is flipping it backwards and saying, well, how about you? How about your way? Who are you to judge me? If we're side by side, who is more unjust, honestly? So that's where we start. I I think the, the, the first thing... I'll bring up is in verse 23. And God says, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? It's really easy to get upset with God and frustrated with God when things don't go the way that you expect them to. Or when you hear about stories that seem unfair. You know, one of the the, the big wrestling matches in faith is trying to understand suffering. Why does it happen? Why won't God just step in? You know, why did this person pass away young? You know, why are these people, you know, left in a, a, a state of, of complete poverty while these other people are able to thrive and live in excess? You know, we're surrounded with, with suffering and pain. And we wrestle with that, how it interacts with a holy and, and sovereign God who has authority over all of that. We think, well, why doesn't he just step in? It doesn't seem fair that that person should suffer. 
you know, wrestling with the issue of, of eternal life and, and hell and heaven. It's not fair. You know, it's not fair that this person, just because they didn't believe in Jesus, they were good people. Why should they be eternally punished, left out, eternally separate from God, eternally longing for comfort and satisfaction? It seems unfair. It seems like why, why do they have to pay such a heavy penalty eternally? For just not believing in Jesus. You know, these are things that, that I've wrestled with. I still wrestle with. You know, the, the ways of, of, of our holy God are higher than our ways. And, and some things you can, you can find the answer to. And we can find, find peace even without all the answers. And, and that's where I, I find myself in my faith. I don't know all the answers. I will never profess to know all the answers. And when they, when people ask me, you know, what happens to this person? What happens when this happens? You know, when you die, this, 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 a lot of times it's an, I don't know. That's one of the things God taught me when I was first leading Bible studies five years ago. He says, get ready to say, I don't know a lot and be comfortable with that. You don't know. And there's a lot of things that you won't know, but God gives us enough to at least find contentment and peace with not knowing everything. So here you have Israel, or in our, in our day, you, you have people, you have Christians saying that's not fair. It's unjust that this happens. And God is saying, well, look at my character. In verse 23, he's saying, who, who are you dealing with? Who am I to you? Am I just some, some random judge, some arbitrary kind of supernatural being on a throne that is just declaring guilty and not guilty at random? You know, is he involved in this world? That's a huge aspect of, of, of finding peace with his justice. Or is he just some kind of being that you think about that's somewhere out there and that you call upon when you need him or you call upon when there's kind of relevance, but then for the most part, he's separate. Because basically in verse 23, God is saying, who am I? Because if you knew me, if you know my character, if you know my heart, you would never see the world as it is and come to the conclusion that I am unjust. And that's where the scriptures come into play. You know, if you, if you read the scriptures persistently, pursuing God and his character in the scriptures where he is speaking for himself, he is testifying to his character and his being through the prophets like Ezekiel, through Moses in the law and the Torah, in the Gospels and Christ. It's all one story arc. It's all one one story and, and one central purpose of all of the things that you read in the Bible. It's God testifying to who he is. And unless you know who he is, unless you know his character, his heart, you will never find peace with the world that we live in and how that could be compatible with a God that you're hearing about on Sundays or that you're thinking about in your imagination. You know, following God, following Christ is not a matter of just faith. It's knowing too. You know, a lot of your life as, as a Christian is based on faith. There's a lot of things you are just putting in God's hands, letting go of control and saying, God, I don't know, but you know. 
I don't know the outcome of this. I don't know where this is headed, but I know that I'm doing what you want me to do, but I have faith that you know more than I do. Every day is that kind of faith. Every day. However, in order to arrive at that point of faith where you can put things in his hands, you have to trust those hands. You have to know those hands. If you got out of your car in the parking lot in some some mall or shopping center, you wouldn't just take your keys after locking your car and just give them to the first person you see. That is to give away your car. Don't do that. You wouldn't do that. However, if there's a friend or a family member that you run into, you'd be more likely to give those car keys. Give them control. Give them authority over your car. Because you know them. Because you trust them. Because you know their character. So will you see an injustice around you today? Yes. Are you involved in that? Yes. Hopefully on the side of justice. But you will be encountering injustice on a day-to-day basis. And the only way to understand that, and the only way to understand God's involvement in those that are welcomed into his presence in heaven, and those that are rejected or left out, is if you understand his character. And in verse 23, God is saying, I don't want anyone left out. I don't take any pleasure when someone is left out. This image, this picture of a God you know, putting his hands down on a jar with people you know, frantically trying to escape, and that jar is hell, is a complete fabrication. That is not in scripture. If that is your opinion of God, that he is just some mean guy, some bully that had this kind of arbitrary, kind of trivial little trick word key to get into paradise, which was the word of Jesus, if you, if you knew it, then you can get in and everyone else, even though they weren't told that you needed that secret key or that secret word are just left out. And he loves to just keep them out. That is a complete fabrication. Rebuke that in Jesus's name. That is not in scripture. You cannot find that in scripture if you're reading it holistically. If you're going into the word holistically, looking for God in the entire Bible, what you will find repeatedly is a God that is pursuing the salvation of his children from beginning to end to the point of giving his son, to the point of facing what we should face, taking that upon him, taking that death upon his being. Even though we 100% deserved what Christ got. And that is, that is the truth. That we are guilty. We are unjust. And that's the second part. You know, first God says, well, who am I? If you have such a problem with this, who are you dealing with? What in my record has given you this idea that I love to just say you're in, you're out, without any emotion, without any interaction personally with those decisions? And what he's saying is that if you look at me in scripture, you know, you know that I don't want anyone left out. And then I'm giving people chance after chance after chance to turn from their ways and to follow me, come in line as a child with me as the head of the family. The second 
It comes in the form of two verses in verses 27 and 29, and they basically say the same thing. And in verse 27, it says, But if a wicked man turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he will save his life. And in verse 29, it says, Yet house of Israel says, The way of the Lord is not just. Are my ways unjust, O house of Israel? And here's the key. Is it not your ways that are unjust? So first, God says, Evaluate me fairly, honestly, not from your imagination, not from your ideas or your assumptions, from scripture. What is my profile? And then he says, now what is your profile? Lined up side by side, who is more unjust? And the verdict every day of your life is that you and I are unjust. This idea of you're just a good person. Yeah, you can have nice people. You can have good intentions. But in my heart of hearts, I seek the self as opposed to seeking the greater good of other people. Without Christ in my life, without that justice, you see, without the justice of Jesus in my life, without his spirit in my life, I will always gravitate towards seeking my own comforts, my own desires above anyone else's. That's the nature of sin is that it lusts after control. In your workplace, you would love to do things your way. You would love to have a higher wage than other coworkers. You would love to have more authority in your office. In your family, you would love to do what you want. You would love to watch your TV program all the time. In your families, in your your circle of friends, wherever you are, the inclination of your heart because of sin gravitate towards you. Serve me. Worship me. Celebrate me. That's the nature of our sin. You know, Paul says in Romans 3 that there's no one, no one who does good. And that's not just a, a, a some kind of standard from Scripture. What Ezekiel says what God speaks through Ezekiel earlier in in the book, and Jesus echoes this in the Gospels, is that I'm going to judge you according to your own standards. So even those people that do not know about Christianity, those people that do not know about the Bible, what it says in Romans is that everyone has a standard in their own heart of right and wrong. Everyone knows that it's better to save a life than to kill it. We have that in our hearts. And one of the things that God does when it comes to how we're judged, it says, okay, I'm going to judge you according to your standards. Every time you said that this person should be doing this, how did you do? Do you do all those things you wish other people would do? Do you literally treat other people the way you would want to be treated? The answer is no. No one can stand up honestly and say that I uphold every standard that I impose on the people around me. According to your standards, that's not even bringing in the gospel. Our heart is unjust. Whereas when you look at the heart of God in scripture, he always seeks justice. And even when there's punishment, yes, there is punishment. And you see that punishment throughout scripture. Wrongdoing is punished. But isn't that just? When we look at the legal system in our society, when someone does something unjust, The just thing is to have punishment that follows. 
yes, a punishment that fits the crime, but punishment nonetheless. And to not impose a punishment, I believe most people would say that is unjust. So we have a problem with that kind of justice, not because God is unjust, but I believe because deep down in our heart of hearts, we know that we are guilty and that we don't want to be under that kind of judgment that is so holy and so invasive, that kind of judgment that knows my heart so well. I can't get anything past God. He knows my innermost thoughts. He knows my, he knows my innermost desires, my reactions to people around me, my impressions of people around me, my hidden judgment around about people around me, my selfish desires about people around me and my environment. He knows all of that. And the reason that we squirm with this kind of decisive justice that is so clear, do what's right, follow my way, and live. Don't do that. Do what you want to do. Follow your wicked ways. Follow the sinfulness of your heart. You will die. It's so clear and so decisive and so final. And we hate that because we know that we don't uphold the law. We know that in our heart is not an inherent righteousness. We know that. And we want mercy. We want forgiveness. We want a second chance because we know that we cannot uphold that kind of standard because we know that we sin. Even if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian and you're uncomfortable with God and punishment, I believe that if you're honest with yourself and you look yourself in the mirror, you know that the inclinations of your heart are not towards righteousness. And I believe one of the reasons why we squirm with God's justice, especially eternal justice, is because we know that we cannot uphold that kind of holiness and that kind of standard of righteousness. But thanks be to God, the story does not end there. So what we have is, you could call it action points, you can call it you know, steps for the day or whatever you want to say, but we have it in the last verses from 30 to 32. In 30, it says, Therefore, a house of Israel, I will judge you, each one according to his ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. So first, you're going to be judged according to your ways, not because someone else did something to you or because someone else set me up and told me this and now, now I'm doing this thing and it's because of them. It's you. Are you following God? Are you following his commands as we see them in Jesus Christ? That's it. Because since we know that we cannot stand under that kind of standard of righteousness, we need a savior. We need someone who can. And what we have in scripture, what we have in the gospel, the culmination of the entire text is that we have a savior and that in him, we have that standard. In him, we are able to pass under that judgment because he took it. So knowing that, are you following Jesus completely? Not in some ways. Are you committing your entire life to the way of Christ and saying, he says, go, I go. Is your life committed, dedicated to following him in his righteousness and following his way and not your way? So God says, first, know that you are going to be paying for your transgressions. It's all you. 
So either you're going to say, I can't do it, Jesus, save me, and I walk in with Christ, or you say, I don't want to do that, and that's all on you. And let me tell you, friends, you cannot stand under that kind of judgment. All will fall unless they are coming in under the banner of Christ. And this is just, I mean, you can boil this down to a human nature discussion. We know that we cannot uphold the righteousness that we see from God. But we don't have to. We have a Savior in Jesus that shows us the way. So God says, repent, turn around, do a 180, turn around and face righteousness. Turn from your wicked ways. They, they, they give you pleasure, they give you comfort, but they bring death. So turn towards life, embrace life under the authority of Jesus Christ and his way. Know him personally, know him contextually in the entire scripture and follow him. And the more you follow him, the more that you find him in scripture, the more faith you're going to have that that way leads to life. It's not easy, it's not comfortable, but there's life. And who would choose death over life? We're created to live. So repent, turn away. It says, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. That new heart and a new spirit is not something you're going to find in a self-help book or just some kind of YouTube motivational video. It's just going to be in Christ. Accepting that he can bear that standard while I cannot and accepting that his way has saved me from that eternal damnation for a debt that I owed and I developed and fostered in my human nature, in my sinful nature, knowing that in Christ, that debt is paid for. Accepting that, that I cannot trust myself and I need saving from myself and Jesus does that and he saves you from that, knowing that what you receive is his spirit and his heart. You are no longer the one earning your own way. You are no longer the one that is is called to stand on your own in the presence of God. When God looks at you as you've embraced the gospel and embraced the works of the cross and embraced the power of the empty tomb, what he sees when he looks at you is his son's heart and his son's spirit. If you are repenting, turning away today, Stop it. Stop doing those things you know contradict the word of God. Stop doing those things that you know gratify your flesh and separate you from the presence of God. Repent. Sin no more. Change. Embrace God. Embrace Jesus and what he has done and choose life. When we do that, when we are aggressive with our sinful nature and say, I will not be imprisoned by that sinful nature and that sin will not be my downfall and I choose life, in Christ. When we do that, God looks at us and sees a child of God, a co-heir with Christ, with his spirit and his heart. So Ezekiel finishes the chapter by saying, Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. And to you friends today in this podcast, repent and live. There are things that are hard to understand about how God deals with transgression and sin in this world and in eternal life. But when we go into scripture, we meet not just our father, but a good father and a father that has a holy way and a just 
heart. And your ideas, your imagination that conjured up pictures of this cruel megalomaniac melt away as you go into scripture and seek him for his voice and his testimony about himself. And what you see when you look at God is you see Christ embodied in the flesh, reaching out to the leper, reaching out to the woman caught in adultery, reaching out to the tax collector, and not supporting religion and legalism, but bringing in a gospel of grace, saying that this is a gift to you, and I'm willing to die for you as my friends so that we can enjoy eternal fellowship with the Father. That's what you're going to see when you look at God in the scriptures, that he loves you more than you know, and he has been pursuing you more than you're aware of. And all he wants for you to do is repent and live. So friends, repent and choose life. Live. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for giving us life in Jesus. I thank you that we don't have to stand on our own under that standard of judgment that we know that we cannot pass through. And we know that we cannot achieve our own righteousness given our, our sinful heart that seeks our own self-glorification day after day. Thank you that we have a way that takes that burden and takes that price off of our head. Thank you that Christ was loving enough to take that for us and that in him we have true love that casts out fear of condemnation and punishment, but that in Jesus and all that he has done, we can stand embraced by you as truly loved and accepted not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness of your son, Jesus. Thank you that we have that, Father. Help us to crave to know you more in scripture and to seek your heart, to not come to quick judgments about how you enact justice in this world, but give us a heart to know your heart and to seek to understand your ways that are higher than our ways. Help us to learn more about who you are and then to understand how you operate that system of righteous justice in this world. So Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for Jesus, and in his name I pray. Amen. Okay, so we'll leave it there for uh, this week's episode of the Mobile Word Podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and remember to send me your thoughts, questions, comments, or scriptures uh, that you want discussed on the podcast um, at mobilewordministry at gmail.com. And um, I, I, I did a little bit better. I, 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 think, I think I cut about 10 minutes off of the, the previous podcast, so I'm going to keep trying to do better uh, for you guys. So, so thanks for listening uh, this week. And until next time, enjoy the word and God bless.